Good morning and welcome to Wednesday morning, December the 23rd in 2020 on When I Rise. We're currently in year B, Christmas Sunday week, and we have all these little liturgies that lead us up to Christmas Eve and a Christmas Day called proper nativity of the Lord, proper one, proper two, and so on and so forth. On Wednesdays, we like to take a look at the just a, sometimes a random text of the week. So sometimes it's Old Testament, sometimes New Testament. And today, there's so much to choose from this week that I'm going to go to Titus chapter 2 today. Then we'll do Titus chapter 3 tomorrow with the New Testament letter text of the week. So Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. This is a neat, compact passage that articulates many of the elements of the gospel. So if you'd like to have like a condensed gospel telling, it doesn't say everything in complete detail, but it gives all the framework of the gospel. I encourage you to go to this passage. So I'm going to read that passage, provide a couple points for reflection, then we'll spend our day praying along its theme. So thanks for making us part of your morning on when I rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and be got together in a time of prayer. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. For the grace of God has appeared that brings salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. This is the word of God for us. For as long-winded as the Apostle Paul can be, as you look at his letters in the New Testament, we are so thankful for these moments where he gets right to the point. And there are so many things to say here, and it's almost kind of trying to go line by line just to draw out some of the themes that come from the gospel. The first thing is this, that the gospel is a gospel of grace. It's a gift, right? For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all people, and it's an invitation to all people. Grace is a gift, and a gift is something that has to be acknowledged. Imagine giving a gift this Christmas season, and the person just kind of shrugs their shoulders and says, meh, it's okay. That, that would not be a proper gift giving and gift receiving. And so a gift is something that's offered and it's seen for what it is, a gift that is supposed to bring delight to the soul. But grace is not just a gift, it's also an empowerment. Notice that the it in verse 12 is still talking about grace. It says, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Our salvation is gracious, and it's gracious because it's God's gift to us. We didn't have to earn it. God freely gives it to us, and we receive it but it also teaches us to be different people. That's the two sides of the coin of grace. It's gracious in order to give us a gift, but it's also to empower us. We use this language, don't we, that when someone has a this unique, crazy gift in something, we say they've been graced with the gift of, and then you can like insert in the blank there, like, I don't know if you're watching The Queen's Gambit on Netflix, but that gal has been graced with the ability to play the game of chess, right? Like someone way above the norm and the average. And so Paul says grace doesn't just allow you to blend in with the rest of the lot out there. No, grace sets us apart. It causes us to have different attitudes, different character traits, different passions and values. We reorder our loves so that we are a distinct group of people in this lifetime. It's not just a you know post-mortem thing, but it's a like pre 
post-mortem thing. Like this is for right now. Stuff should be going on in a believer's life if they have been touched by the grace of God. But the next few verses talk about our time warp. This is what I mean by time warp. Something has happened in the past. We're waiting for something in the future that's affecting us in the present, right? So grace is given to us in the present because of something that's been done in the past, Jesus' death and resurrection. But we also, Paul says, wait for a blessed hope, the reappearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, this reappearing thing comes with uh, some some explanation, right? So Jesus isn't away. Like he isn't beyond us and away from us in the space-time continuum. No, what we see in the book of Acts, that even though Jesus was taken from his disciples early in the book, he seems to be in a mystery there with them. He's helping them heal people and he's giving them messages and he's opening up prison doors and he's drawing people to himself and he is sending messengers to lead this disciple this way and he's helping mediate disagreements between those who want to um, have Gentile Christians do this versus this and so on and so forth. So even though Jesus is in the presence of the Father, he has not left us. So when he returns, it's like he's been it's not like he's been away in Cleveland and he's got like a flight itinerary to get back here. No, he's here. He's just going to reappear. And when he does reappear, I have a hunch that we're going to have this impression, oh, he's actually been here the whole time. But his reappearing is signifying a new phase in what God is doing in his story. So we wait for the appearing, so something in the future. So the time warp is past, present, and future are being swirled together. And it's a mess, but it's a glorious mess that Jesus is in the middle of it. And then ultimately we get to verse 14, talking about Jesus, who gave himself to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people who are his very own eager to do what is good. If there is one trait, there's several traits that I would hope for us, but if there's one above the rest that I look for in the shape of a disciple, people I want to be in ministry with, people that I want to uh, go on mission with, is eagerness. Now, eagerness is not like this overwhelming zeal that tries to give people a hard sell. No, eagerness is someone who is is willing to pitch in and help with anything, to take a lesser role, to do things that are not seen without any accolades. Eagerness is something that leads a person to a place of prayer, leads people to a place of study without having to be conjoled into it. It leads them to serving others uh, without why, without some sort of incentive laying in the background. If I do this, then I'll get this in return. No, eagerness is something that we see and Man, if, if I could just ask God for anything, it'd be a people who are filled with eagerness for his work and for their neighbors around them. And so an eagerness is something that we should see in the shape of our discipleship. Okay, like I've kind of reached my end here, but there's so much in Titus chapter 2 to pray for. We can be praying for grace. We can pray for the empowerment. We can be praying for patience as we wait for our Lord to reappear. And we can ask God for an eagerness to continue to engage in the faithful work that he gives us in the world around us. So in the midst of all that, let's spend some time praying together this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for this season of Christmas where we are hearing the stories once again of God, you intervening in our world and not leaving the world you love into its frailty, into its waywardness, but you moved into our mess and you seek to redeem it and you redeem us. 
And so we thank you for the message of the gospel, which ultimately tells us about Jesus. We thank you that the gospel is about grace. It's a gift, but it's also grace as an empowerment. It teaches us and it animates us to be different people. We think of that the gospel gives us great patience, that we don't have to be weighed down with the burdens of the day, the headlines that meet us day after day, morning after morning, because we're waiting for a day, a reappearing, when you when you inaugurate all the space-time world into a new heaven and a new earth, and we get to celebrate the fullness of life forevermore with you there. And so God, give us a great patience as we think about the gospel today. God, we also thank you that you're training us. You're causing us to be a different people because you want a people who are your very own. They're marked out from the rest of the tribes and different people groups out there. A people who are shaped by the gospel and are given a great dose of eagerness. And so God, we seek to be eager to do what is good. And so God, for those in government, for those in education, for those in the medical world, for those in the church, for those who are raising families, for those who are in corporations and businesses and nonprofits, God, we pray that you would wash a great eagerness over the body of Christ. And I pray that as we enter into a new year, through Christmas into a new year, that that the church would be the group of people who are wide-eyed, who are wired for service and an eagerness to do what is good. So God, we pray that you would fill us once again. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.